I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're proud to have AgWorld partner with the Farns Voice podcast to go beyond record-keeping and with this episode, we're heading down to Victoria with Mitch McNabb, bringing you the conversations straight from the farmers themselves. Mitch and the team are growing fruit efficiently and productively through the use of agri-tech to identify opportunities out in the paddock and also highlight the risk areas within their orchards. Throughout the episodes, you'll find out Mitch's favourite fruit, but also Find out the value of what AgTech is having on their farm. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. Mitch, great to have you on the show today, mate. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for inviting me. Excellent. And from two accounts, as Chairman of the fruit growers and also running your own orchards. Bit of a juggling mix there. Yeah, no, it can be interesting at times, but um, no, great fun and uh, enjoy um, both uh, obviously managing our business. It's um, been an exciting couple of years. We're sort of going through a bit of a growth phase of, of trying to uh, change our business uh, to go forward. And um, also with Fruit Growers Victoria, it's um, been a challenging time for a lot of growers recently with. Um, labour issues and, and currently prices not quite being where they probably need to be uh, to make a sustainable industry. So it's um, it's you know good at least I can be at uh, the forefront to sort of try and help uh, growers like myself uh, to, to navigate those sort of things. Yeah, I think the power, like I see it a lot just running the podcast, but like yourself, being part, having advocacy for your 
sector of the region can really help you out like to spur other farmers to get involved in different sort of boards and become a director or a chair chairman chair chairwoman whatever it may be um how important or how has it helped you develop personally but also for your business oh look i mean um yeah it's it's been a good leadership journey for me um i sort of you know had to uh to learn a bit i guess in the scheme of um you know boards let alone chairing them uh I guess I'd be probably on the younger scale to some compared to some others. So, um, but at the same time, I think you know uh, it's given me the opportunity to learn and learn from others on the on, on the way through as well, and um, you know develop that leadership skill that I, I hopefully uh, can can help with that by putting um, you know our industry uh, in the right right stead forward. Yeah, absolutely. So we can attract those others that we're all trying to do one way or another. Well, great stuff, Mitch. Thanks for coming on. Let's get into where you're from and your background and how you're connected to agriculture at McNab Orchards. I imagine you play a big part. Yeah, so I, I run the operations of the business. Um, so uh, I'm the fifth generation of my family to run our family's business. We've been growing fruit here for over 100 years now and um, predominantly, well, traditionally we were predominantly, predominantly uh, cannery growing growers for so of apples, pears and stone fruit. Yep. Uh, we were... Um, a part of the Ardmona cannery and then obviously when it merged with SPC Ardmona as well um, we were a part of that for a couple of years and uh, sort of in the last 10 years we sort of moved away from canning uh, varieties and, and growing as uh, prices weren't uh, you know particularly good and um, it was sort of a pretty tough industry to be a part of so we transitioned away from that to being pretty well entirely fresh fruit um, we have a cold storage site on, on the property as well, which allows us to store our own fruit, let alone other growers if need be. Um, and then we then, then go on to supply that fruit to packing sheds who who pack the fruit out and uh, deliver it to uh, the retailers or uh, wholesale market or even to export overseas. Yeah, beautiful. What I like about like fruit and vegetables, you're a lot, you seem to be a lot closer to the consumer instead of livestock and um, broadacre cropping, which is like a really, it's great to see the other side of it as well at the farm gate, but see where your product's actually going into the retail stores as well. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I guess um, we are to some degree third party, but the reality is that, um, you know, what, what we do out in the orchards and what we do in our cold storage sites have, ha, does have a, a genuine impact on the a, the, the look of the fruit and, and the, the freshness of the fruit and the, the, the quality that uh, we can then, you know, enable to get into, into say, the retailers or into the wholesale market for consumers to buy. And um, our industry is going through a bit of a movement of, of uh, you know, I think as most horticulture uh, industries are, is that, you know, we are sort of trying to really target, rather than just having this beautiful-looking piece of fruit, we're trying to ensure that, A, it does look beautiful, but, B, um, there is still a, a huge focus on ensuring that the the taste and that the quality that they're, they're receiving at the shelf when they buy that purchase that fruit is is paramount because if uh, they have a bad experience they don't come back and purchase more so we want to ensure they have uh, you know the best experience they can and and as a result enjoy that uh, that piece of fruit and, and want to continue to purchase it going forward yeah that's it it can quite easily spoil their experience with the individual piece of fruit, but also the region of where it is as well. So great to see you're getting on top of 
what the consumer is experiencing just from your own fruit coming off the farm. Let's see what's happening around McNabb Orchards, how your operation runs and like what you're getting into at the moment. There's a lot of change in agriculture. It has been, it's still current and it's coming as well. So either end of the stick, wherever you are in that adoption phase, how is McNabb Orchards operating? Run us through it. So um, my father and I um, and my partner, Ashley, she uh, works in the business with us. We, we run the business, uh, uh, the three of us, and um, we have uh, about 160 acres of uh, orchard in production um, on a total of about 240 acres of uh, land that we uh, have here in, our, in Ardmona. And, um, yeah, we grow apples, pears and stone fruit. Um, we've sort of been going through a phase, as I mentioned, that we're, we're you know, entirely fresh fruit now. So we've been planting young trees over the last couple of years and uh, I guess trying to increase our orchard footprint again um, as we had to remove different varieties and older trees that were canning varieties and, and replant with fresh fruit varieties. And so for us in the last sort of five or six years, it's been that we've had to understand, uh, you know, we've increased our planting density, which uh, so more trees per area, which has enabled us to get higher yields and better fruit quality and, and a better all-round production going forward. So it's been about choosing the right rootstocks for us, which is enables us to then have, uh, grow these trees in the right right ways. Um, all our fruit trees are, are trellised, so we're basically creating these big, you know, fruiting walls, which uh, enable us to to increase our production. Um, we've got some blocks now that um, we've we've actually planting even higher density again, which. Um, you know, traditionally, a lot of guys around Australia have grown fruit on a, a five metre wide row and the trees are maybe two to three metres apart. Um, now, whereas with the blocks that we've gone with ultra high density, it's um, they're two and a half metre rows by one and a half metre uh, gaps between the trees. So we've got a lot more trees per area, it's about 3,330 odd trees per hectare, which uh, is, is enables us to get a potential yield of over 100 tonnes of fruit per hectare. Sorry, you 3,300 trees per hectare? Yes. Yeah, right. That's a lot of trees. I wasn't expecting that many. So um, is that before or after you're trying to increase the amount of trees? Sorry? So you're trying to improve the amount of trees, putting them in between and cultivating those roots so they don't mingle, I suppose. Is that what you've got in currently or that's what you're aiming for 3300 no that's what we we've we've put a couple of blocks in already at and um we've replanted them and as a result um yeah they're, they're uh, sort of another year or so away from coming into production but um you know a typical yield of the older style of planting which is either a vase tree or, or a big wide open planting tree um you know there's a yield cap of you know 50 to 65 tons of fruit per hectare Whereas uh, this new high density system is enables us to grow a uh, hundred tons plus of fruit uh, in really good quality, um, which means that we'll get more fruit into uh, market grades and export grades, which um, for us is where, where I guess um, the money is uh, to, to enable us to, to go forward. Beautiful. So for yourself as a business, do you run apple pears and stone fruits? Does that give you, reliable cash flow throughout the years so like hitting the seasonality of it is that what you've sort of set it up that a lot of fruit growers do that's what we're trying to do and i guess it, you know we have a harvest period that goes from you know around uh early to mid jan 
through to uh, sort of end, mid end May. Yep. Uh, so about five months of harvest. Um, and uh, through the rest of the year, we go through pruning the trees and thinning the fruit once they do set after blossom in, in spring. That we can regulate how much crops on the tree to ensure that all those apples grow the right size and the right quality specs that uh, we need to to be able to send it to uh, a packing shed and then on to uh, retailers or, or uh, into the markets. So um, there's plenty to do over the course of the year. Um, obviously, we have to go and protect that crop be it with pesticides and insecticides or other methods. Um, there's you know obviously maintaining the place in general. But also through those winter months, the fruit that we've stored in our cold storage site, we, we slowly bring that out over that um, those other sort of five or six months uh, to bring it to market. Beautiful. So there's a lot of things running in to be able to improve this, work on the business. What do you think has been the most, like it's moved the business along in the last few years, last five years, let's say? Look, the, the biggest challenge for our industry has been understanding, you know, we've had a rise, I think we, with all agriculture generally, has had a rise in cost of production. The problem with our industry, particularly across most horticulture sectors, is that we, we rely on, for us as an industry, there's about 60% of our cost production is um, human labour. Yeah. So um, for us, it, it's an important thing we need to get right. Um, and it's difficult, particularly over the last sort of 18 months, two years with COVID, it's been exceptionally difficult to find labour. Um, and so as a result, when that's scarce, uh, that the price of labour has obviously increased. And that's put a lot of pressure on growers to, to um, be sustainable. And unfortunately, in this last sort of 12 months, we've had a bumper crop, but um, with pretty limited export opportunities. And so unfortunately, our domestic market's been uh, probably oversupplied and, and uh, prices are probably where to um, uh, ensure that, um, you know, we can uh, have a sustainable industry going forward. So for, our, for me and I guess a lot of the industry, particularly, you know, like myself, that, that some of the new generation coming through family farm businesses in the fruit growing industry, you know, there's a lot of us looking at our cost of production and trying to understand that in, in a very um, detailed manner to ensure that we're not growing varieties of fruit or types of fruit that we, you know, can't sustainably do in the long term. So we have to understand our cost and, and where those lies and how we can try and, I guess, improve that and reduce that cost. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, in the next coming couple of years, there's some, some really interesting things out there, be it robotics and, and other mechanical uh attachments that we can use out in our orchard systems that'll help try and reduce our reliance on that labor. Yeah. So for yourself, is it just the harvest period or do you have a heavy pruning period as well being an orchard? Yeah, look, we, we have through um, sort of uh, the winter months, we, we prune all the trees and we're lucky enough to have a couple of guys that uh, are local that um, come and, and help us through those couple of months. Um, but um, yeah, particularly the harvest months uh, are pretty difficult. This past season, we were lucky enough to participate in the um, the seasonal worker scheme or Pacific Labor Scheme. So we've had, uh, between myself and, and a couple of neighbours, we've brought over about 45 uh, guys from uh, Samoa and they've lived on farm. And uh, we're sort of lucky enough with between the neighbours to be able to share them between the three businesses uh, as each of us need those labour requirements. So that, that's worked really well and... Um, I think that's something we'll probably look at going forward to, to ensure that we have that consistent, you know, reliable labour as we need and um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's worked really well. Yeah, well, that's no small feat to be able to organise that yourself as individual farmers. But yeah, it's a ripple effect right across the industry of labour, especially for harvest period, but also for yourself. You've already got your trees in, unless you're replanting as you are, and also the planting season across Broadacre as well. It's a huge struggle. Um, right across broadacre horticulture and even into livestock as well but mate for yourself what does chairman what does the chair do the board of fruit growers in victoria what's what are the big issues really hitting farmers and that you feel on your family farm as well look i think um yeah we, we have uh, a couple of major issues i think i've sort of touched on the labor issue i mean with with covid traditionally our industries relied on on a backpacker workforce um We've unfortunately been unable to um, rely on, on Australian labour for, for numerous years now, and um, it's it's been pretty difficult over the last sort of 12 to 18 months uh, for horticulture generally to, to find adequate labour. And so, um, relying on on Australian workforce was just uh, impossible last year. We we managed to get through without any loss of crop, but um, it was an exceptionally long season for most growers and. Uh, you know, the unfortunate reality is that, um, that we all, as growers, paid a premium to, to get our crop picked as that, that shortage meant that people, uh, you know, wanted to de- demand uh, higher wages and those sorts of things, which um, unfortunately some people had to, to uh, you know, pay to, to get those crops picked. So I think, you know, going forward, there's there's a few different mechanisms that are starting to come into play. Obviously, as I touched on, the seasonal worker or Pacific Labor Scheme, um, that's been around for a while now. And I think, you know, if anything, the last sort of 18 months has taught, taught growers that, you know, traditionally that may have been out of reach for some growers, particularly some of the smaller guys, that maybe they need to, to revisit those sorts of uh, avenues to find labour. But um, there's also the ag visa that's starting to come into play hopefully in the next 12 months um, and you know hopefully with the international travel starting to, to pick back up again um, you know the the influx of backpackers and and, and uh, overseas workers that would like to come to Australia and and work in our industry um, hopefully that enables us to, to find adequate supply of labor going forward yeah I think that's it I, like finding your plan B when something like this does happen again, it was a bit of a shock to the system, but something just to make farmers aware that it can possibly happen, that we, the labour force just is stopped at the front gate where Australia was letting them in or not letting them in. Um, but it's a great way to start to get farmers to start to think about how they're going to source different labour on that. But as fruit growers, was there wastage, much wastage off the back of the lack of labour force or are you just talking about the extended harvest periods really? Yeah, look, there, there was in some cases some growers uh, couldn't get enough labour to, to harvest their crops in time before they would perish because obviously fresh fruit's a, a perishable product if it's not harvested within the timeframes that uh, you basically have to walk away with it from it. Um, so uh, there, there was a few guys last year. I, I'm, we're still sort of through the, the midst of our, our harvest at the moment for this this season. So um, it's still early days for some growers. Um but um, I think, you know, it's opened a lot of growers' eyes where I think traditionally a lot of guys have not, not taken available labour for granted, but I guess it has been available that, you know, there has been that, I guess, the, the surety that you'd be able to get your crop picked. And I guess uh, growers uh, probably didn't really uh, 
you know, plan forward what, what their requirements would be and how they would go about trying to source that labour, whereas now uh, it's front of mind and, and growers are really focusing on how they can be as efficient as possible and, and get the most out of that and be as productive as possible with those workers. So I think it's, um, if anything, it's taught us some, some good things at how we can, I guess, try and be as lean and, and uh, profitable with that labour source as possible. So I think it's a good thing to go forward with. Yeah, that's it. Just looking at the positives to take away from this event as well. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we're on the tail end of it. But as a farm and like your awareness of other farms within fruit growers, what's leading to the most productivity on farm? Look, for us, um, you know, I think as I sort of touched on, planting new newer varieties of, of fruit that uh, have the you know, in a system that enables us to, to have higher yields and, and increase that quality of fruit that we can then, as a result, get more yield into uh, that we harvest into uh, retailers or export markets where, where some of the money is. So also going forward, I think, you know, um, our industry has typically been, you know, reliant on the domestic market quite heavily. For a long time, um, you know, we did export a lot of fruit overseas uh, through this, you know, 70s, 80s, early 90s. Um, and, you know, we, we, Australia, you know, across agriculture generally uh, had this image of being a clean, green, you know, quality piece of fruit um, compared to other, other uh, countries exporting fruit at the times. And um, unfortunately, you know, at the time we had a high cost of labour and at the time we could command a premium for our product, whereas a lot of other countries around the world have now got, you know, better growing practices and have those capabilities to grow a similar quality piece of fruit of what we can, but for far cheaper as their, their labour costs are significantly lower than us. So for us going forward, we, we need to try and plant varieties that are, we enable us to export more fruit so we're not reliant on our domestic market but also that we're planning systems that we can go forward using, say, robotics or other methods to reduce our, our harvest or labour costs um, through the growing season so that we can remain as competitive as possible um, to be able to export that fruit a bit. Yeah, well, it really sounds like you're trying to optimise every acre for every tree of what you're working with, but also looking into the, the agronomy of it all, of fruit growers. It's a bit out of my reach, the agronomy of growing in an orchard, but for yourself, how have you introduced like ag tech to actually improve your own efficiencies and productivity and like lifted you to have a overview of what's going on? So we've, uh, for almost five years now, we've used uh, AgWorld as a uh, farm management program in our business, um, which that's been great for us to track uh, activities that we do out in the orchard and, and, and really hone in on that, uh, that cost that we're, you know, through, from, from, uh, through the spring and through the winter, through the spring uh, and the summer, growing that crop to the point of harvest. Um, you know, it, it does cost a lot of money. It takes a lot of time and um, they can, you know, it, it is difficult to track all these different things that we're doing and, and have an understanding of what it costs to do all these things. So, AgWorld's been a, a really good tool for us to put all this data into uh, the system and track what we're doing, what sprays we're putting out, how much we're paying someone to prune a tree, um, you know, what our fertiliser schedule is, not to mention what it's costing us, all these things, um, you know, that we can track down to a block basis 
uh, rather than across the farmers and average, we can really hone in on, okay, this particular variety in this block is costing us money versus a similar variety in a different block, but you know, for different reasons, it's not, you know, it's it's more profitable. It's allowing us that greater visibility to understand, okay, where is our business? What what are we doing? How can we improve it? Where where can we change things for the better? And um, you know, I think our my generation of, of growers, we're 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 more, uh, I guess hungry to find out that and have an understanding that than, than our previous generations. I think just as, you know, margins and costs of production is increasing, we, we have, you know, it's paramount that we have that understanding and that visibility of what, um, you know, what we're spending and, and, and what we're making over that course of the season. Yeah, well, you want to be pretty competitive in the market, not only domestically, but also internationally, so that you can improve your margins on the back end of that. How have you found making the switch and like what really was the tipping point for you to look towards ag tech and ag world as a platform? Like were you just purely paper-based before trying to keep a hold of everything? Yeah, look, we, we at the time were, were fairly paper-based and um, I was lucky enough that I had a couple of younger guys also working on business. I think ag, the adoption of ag, ag tech can be difficult if you don't have the right mix of people in the business um, who have the capabilities of to, to utilise the technology themselves. Um, you know, I can generate a, a work order of what we're going to go out and what blocks we're going to spray or be uh, what jobs and tasks we're going to do. Um, I can, you know, basically send that work order out through AgWorld to our employees and they have an understanding of uh, what tasks they're expected to complete um, as we go forward. And it's, it's, I think a lot of businesses sometimes don't have those those people in their businesses that are capable of, of, of utilising that technology. Um, so I think that's where I guess you've got to have an understanding and, and ensure that if you're going to invest that time and that money uh, in, in these sorts of technologies, well, you've got to be able to utilise them to the best of its ability. And at the start, it was fairly difficult as, um, you know, it, all, all new thing can be, um, you know, trying to implement some systems and understandings of how and when to go about, you know, inputting data and all those sorts of things. Um, it, it, it did take, you know, six to 12 months to really understand and utilise it to its fullest ability. And, you know, we're, we're year five or six now and um, it, it's to the point where we can, yeah, have that really depth of, of d- detailed data that enables us to have these really, in, you know, interesting conversations about what what's working what's not and uh you know try and plan and understand how we can go forward with that information yeah what i love about it is all employees are sort of on the same basis you know what's going on what's coming in what's going out for yourself though do you set up the task for employees like during harvest periods or something which blocks we're doing today um and that just reduces the amount of like face-to-face communication, what we're doing now, they can just get up and go at it because most of the time I have to walk over to dad's house to go see what's going on on our farm. Is that the same with you? But you've just yeah. that? Yeah, basically we sort of, um, yeah, uh, enables us to have, we, we still have, a, you know, a, uh, a toolbox meeting as such uh, in the mornings as we go to it. But at the same time, you know, the guys have on their phone, it's accessible whenever they need to, to, 
to understand, okay, I need to double check whether it's, you know, block five or block 25 or, you know, they, they have all this detail at, the, at their fingertips that they can ensure that, A, they're doing the right tasks um, or, or at least have the understanding of what's expected of them uh, when they finish the current task, all those sorts of things. And it also gives them an idea of what time frame they, they should be sort of trying to complete the tasks. Also, you know, particularly with the spraying and those sorts of things where you're getting use of chemicals, um, AgWorld's been really good to, uh, you know, ensure that we know how much chemical we're going to use over, over the, you know, diff spraying different blocks and we can uh, also have uh, the labels there and all those sorts of things for, for the workers when they're, uh, you know, mixing tanks and all those sorts of things. So it's just all this information that's um, at the workers' fingertips that's, I guess, hasn't been as available or readily available as before. Yeah, and I guess for your sake, it just gives you a little bit of peace of mind what's going on out in the paddock whilst you're off in the office or making a bit larger decisions for the business entirely. Let's quickly hear from the team at Ag World. Ag World connects growers, their staff, agronomists and contractors on one easy-to-use farm management platform. By capturing farm data on AgWorld, users have key information at their fingertips at all times for managing a more data-driven, efficient, and profitable farm business. Contact AgWorld today to find out more. And now, back to the episode. But for yourself, you've been in it for five years. I'd call yourself an early adopter. For the trends that you've seen, not only within the season, but across the different seasons, what have you sort of picked up on that you've got like a little bit of a hot light bulb moment that you've gone oh right i say this is something i need to improve on this block hasn't done so well with the watering or something like that yeah look i mean for us it's just i think it you know as a grower of, of anything or, or you know growing be it livestock or, or uh, grains you know you have your gut feels of how you think the crop's going and trees are growing and the quality of, of the product you think you're producing and you know uh, all the best thing about the using these sorts of technologies it sort of reaffirms your gut feel sometimes you, you think okay this could be really good and sometimes it's completely the opposite and it's terrible but i guess it, it also causes you to think about you know it all a little bit more in some ways and i guess you you start to have that information that you can question gee should i be really doing it this way it costs us x to do this what would it what would it cost if i did it you know, a different way or, or if we changed how we're doing it. Um, and I guess it, it gives you that, that, that information that, uh, you, you know, you can, in theory, um, question and, and, and change going forward if needed to. Um, so it's, it's been a really good tool to, to I guess, um, you know, keep myself in check, I guess, going forward. I mean, yeah. everyone, I think, they, they know how, how they can, you know, you know, everyone's good at growing, you know, growing their, their product. Um, I guess it's just a, a way of uh, ensuring you're, you, know, you can track yourself going forward. Yeah, I think it's a good way to keep your accountability in check as well, making sure you're on top of things, not only your employees, but yourself as you're probably running the business, making the big decisions and hopefully go with your gut feel and it's aligning with the data as well that you get fed back through the system. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, it's... um been a really useful tool and um yeah i think um you know i think it's enabled us to have that understanding of our cost production and and make decisions that uh you know potentially if we didn't have that information we wouldn't be making so um you know we, we we're uh, trying to to position our business uh 
to be a sustainable business to go forward, uh, you know, into the future. And uh, if we continue down different paths of not understanding and not understanding those costs, uh, you know, it, it potentially, you know, wouldn't be the case. Yeah, definitely not. So for yourself, you've been in it for five years. What would you tell another farmer on the process of adopting, looking to make that change and to try and improve their farm? As we spoke before, it's a bit difficult and some people can be worried about managing the platform as such. How would you ease a farmer into ag tech? Look, I guess at the end of the day, like most things, the more you put in, the more you get out. And I think the biggest thing is that if you're going to spend the money on adopting this sort of technology, you, you need to make it worthwhile. Otherwise, there's no point investing that, that time and that money. So for me, you know, at the start, I wished I'd, you know, that did take a while, but I, I wished I was a little bit more disciplined to really be as detailed as possible because it probably delayed our true adoption of it that little bit longer. Yeah. But I think, you know, you only see that in hindsight. But the the better, the more you put into this system, the more you, you know, the detail you put your data in, it's the more that you will get back from it. It's amazing to understand. You know, I, I, I can look at every block of, of, of fruit that we grow and have a complete cost production down to a block level now. Um, so that enables us to know which ones are profitable, which ones may not be, um, how, and then, and then give me that data to decide what I do with that block going forward. Um, you know, it gives me places to to store, uh, you know, for us, we get a pack out uh, of our bins at the end of once the fruit's been packed out um, into different classes based on the quality of them. And, and it enables us to look at that information and, and track it against these blocks and go, well, why is one more profitable than the other? Maybe it's because we're not getting as good a pack out in one block versus the other. The fruit may be different qualities. Um, but, you know, we, we have the ability to understand that. Whereas, uh, you know, a lot of growers, you know, say they grow, um, you know, a thousand bins of, of this particular variety um, over five blocks and they average of, of the return and pack out over those thousand bins and they don't know which block is profitable, which one is not. One one might generate one block might generate a really good return and the other block, couple of blocks might be, um, you know, poor returners and they're getting subsidised by the other blocks. So it gives us that depth and detail to understand how to, you know, really get the best out of the property that we have and, and the, the blocks that we have and understand those decisions going forward. Yeah, beautifully put, mate. But like for those blocks that are not producing the amount of yield that you want them to, like the other blocks are, what what's the one decision you've made off that? Have you had to increase your inputs into your orchard or have you had to rip those trees out because they're not yielding enough? How's that work? Look, it varies. You know, there's, there's, there could be numerous things that cause, uh, you know, to not to yield as well. But the reality is that if it's not performing and you, you, you've tried a couple of things to try and change it up and, and, and better it and it's still not, well, unfortunately for us, it's, it's been that, okay, well, we have to pull and remove the block, start again, get a new, new variety and, and replant the ground. So it's, um, I guess it's enabled us to make that decision, ensure that, you know, we don't just go, well, you know, um, they're all they're all bad, and we push all the five blocks out instead of just pushing out the two that aren't performing. It's it's um it's enabled us to make that decision in, in in better clarity. Yeah, not not only on time, but the money that you can not only just save, but you can increase the return that you're going to be getting by improving that one block that was, and you're not going to waste your money by demolishing all five blocks of it. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. So no, it's it's been been a good tool for us to really have that visibility and understand, yeah, what our choices are going forward each year. Great stuff. And for yourself, what time period were you starting to see a reaction from the data that you've been fed back from Ag World or any other sort of ag tech that you're using on farm to be enable you to make these decisions? Like, did you have to gather a bit of data after the first harvest onto the second one, or how did that work for you? No, look, it's been sort of over sort of 18 months it took really to get the numbers back out. And then on from that, we've been lucky enough that um, I work with a, a local account, account, accountant here, um, Chris Johnson, who has a business called Synergize My Business. And he sort of works in, in the horticulture space of really helping us um, get, you know, delve into those numbers. And, and we've linked our Ag World data through to um, uh, a zero uh accounting system so that we can have that really true cost going back into the system um, and, and enables us to have those, those financial, you know, uh, data available us, for us. And, uh, you know, that's been, that's been the real key. You know, AgWorld alone gives you that visibility, but going that next step for us to be able to link it in with, um, with our accounting software has able, enabled us really to, to, I guess, not only understand the growing aspects of it, but the business as a whole and how, you know, each parts of the business impact each other. And, and um, you know, it, it, it has been, you know, a, a gradual, um, you know, movement going forward. But um, the reality is if you don't start, you're never going to get there. So I think, you know, it is a bit of a daunting thing for a lot of growers to, to invest in and, and, you know, get into that space. But, you um, I guess like most things, the more you put in, the more you get out. So, so it's worth worth the uh, the effort in the end. That's it. How good's ag tech, but also integrated ag tech? How it sort of automates the process, and like farmers literally don't have to do as much work. I'm hoping to improve our family farm as well and introduce new ways of what how we can work and what's going to work for our farm. Just like you made that decision five years ago to get into ag world, and it's really starting to pay off those dividends. No, for sure, and and that's the thing. I mean, it is a pretty daunting thing for a lot of guys to do and and, and women to do. So, you know, it does seem at the start that it's going to take a lot of of your time up and a lot of effort, and unfortunately, probably at the start it will. And um, but the reality is that you know, once you get that that data in there, it becomes easier and easier, and and um, you sort of you know be disciplined and get some few systems sort of set up that you uh, can then you know, make it easier and, and timely for you to, to track that, that information. And in the long run, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, far better for you and your business going forward. Absolutely. So for yourself at McNabb Orchards and also fruit growers of Victoria, what are you most looking forward to or excited about in the next couple of years? Um, look, so for myself, I was lucky enough in 2016 to do a Nuffield scholarship and uh, yeah. I looked into apple uh, and pear production with the use of robotics. Um, and so I was lucky enough to do a bit of travel and look at some robotic apple houses uh, in a few different countries. And, um, you know, as I sort of touched on before, our industry, you know, our cost of production, particularly for harvest, uh, it makes up a large percentage of it. But 66% of our cost of production is, is purely just labour. Um, and so if, if we can reduce that later, it enables us to export more, be competitive on a world stage and, and then hopefully in return be profitable and, and have a sustainable industry going forward. So 
I, I've been lucky enough to now work with a, an Australian company, uh, Ripe Robotics, that are, are producing a, an apple harvester. They're actually um, in my shed at the moment trying to uh, design and, and build one and hopefully in the next sort of two years uh, they'll get to a point of uh, well, having a commercial uh, machine up and running. So we're doing a bit of a trial with them and, and trying to work with them to, to help them, uh, you know, design and build this machine to, to not only uh, obviously help my business, but our, our industry generally uh, going forward. So it's it's been really exciting to see um, how Hunter uh, and the guys at Riot Robotics are going with it. And I guess having that, that uh, bit of input uh, through, through the uh, different stages of the machine and their development's been, been really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think a really exciting space uh, in our industry and uh, you know, I think it's still a few years away to the point of we have, uh, you know, yeah, no reliance on labor, but um, it's, it's, it's coming, which is great. Well, you say that as if it's like a very long way away, but not to rely on labor as a fruit grower, that sounds like the miracle. Like we love employing people, having backpackers and the labor force, but to have that reliability. So if the borders do shut down again, you do have this piece of equipment come in and you roll it in each year, reducing our cost, but also improving our time as well. So we can go work on other things as well. So really sounds like you've got it all going down for you at McNabb Orchards, but also great to see what benefits you, benefits the industry, and also for yourself to have that wider viewpoint of what's going on in the industry. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, no, look, it's an exciting time for that. And, um, you know, I think there's a few other little things coming as well. Like um, Fruit Growers Victoria as well, we've actually got our um, our second uh, conference uh, coming up in August. Uh, we've unfortunately had to uh, postpone it for the last uh, year um, or so with uh, COVID. But, um, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have... Um, some good attendance from from growers uh, around Victoria and um, some international speakers as well. And and uh, we've got yeah a conference day and the following day we've got a sort of uh, farm tour uh, organised. So um, I think it's yeah it's been a really good thing. We've with the last one we had uh, you know it was really well attended and it sort of uh, provided uh, the industry a good opportunity to network and and catch up with different growers and and see some really interesting uh, things that. Um, you know, not only we're doing around the area, but but internationally in, in the, the fruit growing space. So, um, yeah, that'll be exciting over the next couple of months as well. Yeah, definitely. There's nothing better than meeting growers alike, but also seeing what is the leading edge of technology going into the industry. So I've got two more questions for you. One, what's your one piece of farms advice you'd like to pass on to another fruit grower right across Australia? Oh, look, for me, um, you know, I think I've touched on it a fair bit see with this episode, but you know, have, having data and information in front of you to, to make a decision is, is better than making one with you blindly. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, to get that information, that, that knowledge uh, does take effort and, and uh, time. But um, you know, if uh, particularly for our industry, you know, we're in a sort of a spot where we need to try and be as sustainable as possible to go forward. Um, you know it's more important than ever before. And uh, we need to, you know, as an industry, look at what, what we're doing and understand it well. And, and the only way to do so is to really delve into, you know, our businesses and understand our businesses better than ever before. Absolutely. And the lucky last question, what's your favourite piece of fruit? Uh, I love a pink lady apple. 
uh, to be honest. It's, um, yeah, it's the last, last apple variety we harvest each year. And, um, you know, it's uh, sort of mid to end of April and early May. And, um, yeah, it's a cool time of year by that point. And uh, an apple straight off the tree while it's cool in the morning is, uh, is perfect. Nice and crisp. Beautiful, mate. Well, thanks for coming on to the Farms of Ice podcast. For anyone looking to reach out to McNad Orchards or even to looking to becoming a part of Fruit Growers Victoria, how can they do so? Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm on most socials. Uh, we've got a McNab Orchards Facebook page. Obviously, also, we've got an Instagram page. You can also find me personally on Instagram at the Fruit Prince of Bel-Air uh, as the, the name. Um, and then um, with Fruit Growers Victoria, um, yeah, we have a website and everything. You're more than welcome to reach out to uh, the website or uh, give the guys in the office there a call. Um, yeah, we're, we're always interested to have a chat to different people in the industry, uh, be it growers themselves or service providers, anything that, uh, you know, enables uh, us to, to help provide value for our members at Fruit Growers Victoria. So, yeah, reach out. I'm happy to have a chat to anyone about anything. So, thank you. Beautiful. Can't wait to see this machine in commercial viability in a few years. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms of Ice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.